Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Folks, here we are, another week on the uh, Sunflash Midweek as we get ready from Bank of America Stadium. We're in booth one, I believe, today, Mike. Yes, it is. Jim Zoki, Mike Pacheco on the pregame, postgame podcast. Not far at all from where we work. Actually, we kind of split the difference between pregame happens in the booth, booth four. That's right. Postgame happens in the Langtonian Studios. We're somewhere in between because Dave Langton is actually working in the Langtonian Studio right. as we speak. He's actually doing work. And coincidentally, we're probably about... Uh, half a mile, three quarters of a mile from the park bench that we had uh, Sharon on the show last yes. week. Yes, again we're we're, we're ca- covered. So that's if you're not hearing any birds and bees and uh, other insects, animals, that's why. You know what we've become? We've become those green scooters. We're just <laughs> yeah, something we're just everywhere in town. You, you, know, you see us around Charlotte, and we may just be yeah. laying on the sidewalk, or we may just be in the road, or leaned up yeah. against a tree doing a podcast. And that's we've been mostly in the the downtown area. So that's right. look for us and our podcast very much as you would a green scooter. We should be on the scooters and do it. We'll have to, maybe we I need, think that's going to be one of we the We might shows. need Harold to help us out with the engineering on that one. Yes. No special guests. Of course, we had Sharon Thorsland yeah. last week, and uh, I texted her letting her know we're doing the podcast. She said, it was fun. I liked it. So that's our... <laughs> That's like our first movie review, if That's you right. will, sort That's of right. thing. So two thumbs up from Sharon. Right. Sharon, it was better than Cats. <laughs> I guess in I today's language. I cried. <laughs> well, I guess the, in today's language would be it was better than Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. maybe. I don't know. We can't afford we Hamilton. Don't sing, we don't do uh, rap and sing, though. But. but we do have cat eyes out here in the stadium at the end zones, as folks are familiar Instead with that. Betty Davis eyes. And coming off. <laughs> That's for our older listeners. It's our 80s reference for the day. But we are coming off, obviously, uh, an improbable, if you will, yeah, comeback. What a, what a game. Three touchdown, uh, fourth quarter win against the Super Bowl champs on their field. And if you watched any of the first and listened, hopefully, to any of the first three and, you know, five minutes, three quarters of five minutes of the, of the game, it, it just seemed if we could have scored a touchdown, yeah. it would have been monumental. Right. But obviously, that, to get to 4-2, and two, get mm-hmm. a win like that on the road, Mike, I mean, that's a real special win that moving forward could have big implications for this team. Well, it was interesting. Brett and I, Brett McMillan and I, were in the uh, in the studios getting ready you know, to, to get the game back from you guys. And I remember thinking about this at the quarter break between the third and fourth quarters, and I was starting to think, wow, this is going to be a really negative show. I mean, you know, negative in the sense of there's not going to be a lot of good things to talk about, you know, and, you know, you know the pass rush early on wasn't that great, and you know there's some other things offensively. Cam Newton's numbers weren't weren't very good, and then you, know, you score that first touchdown, and then you say, okay, you know maybe they can make it close, and you know and the, the defense really stepped up in the in the that fourth quarter too, and got a lot of good pass rush, and you know and then just Cam Newton was sensational. I mean his quarterback rating just in the fourth quarter was something like 131, and I think it was like 62 in the first three quarters combined. But yeah, it's well, what it sets you up for though, I think is. They had the comeback against the Redskins, and that was 
one of those games where we talked about being, oh, you know, how great was it they came back? You know, they, they could have got their doors blown off, but they came back and they, they had a chance at the end of the game. They couldn't quite do it. Well, this game was the same script, except they were able to come back and do it. And you remember uh, one of the biggest comebacks previous to that in team history was uh, that uh, uh, Jake DeLome season in 2000, the Super Bowl year. In fact, it was right to the end zone to, to our right uh, with Ricky Prohl and yeah, the Jacksonville game. Sometimes, you know, big comebacks uh, spark a team, and, and you hope that this is one of those sparks for the Panthers. And at 4-2 and two now, that's so much better than 3-3. Three and three. And then you have a really tough Baltimore team that should come in. A little, I mean, they'll be a little bit salty like the Panthers were last week because they probably feel like they let a game uh, get away from them last week as well. Yep, and you think, uh, again, it's such a fine line. As you said, extra point missed there by Justin Tucker. Panthers, if they don't get a Graham Gano 63-yard yeah. field goal, if they don't have that every bit of a fourth-quarter comeback, we're sitting here 2-4 and four right? and wondering what the heck's going on. So the 4-2 and two, it's that fine of a line. I love my John Fox quote. I pull it out often about it's two weeks from disaster. Yeah. And this team was about a, a quarter away from being two weeks from disaster. Right. And being, you know, 3-3 three and three wouldn't have been a disaster, but – you know, coming home, there's been a lot of pressure on this Baltimore game coming up this week against the number one defense in the league we'll be facing, points and yardage-wise. For what it's worth, Carolina 18th in yards and points offensively here. So they could be better, uh, but back to being the number one rushing team once again. Some things that could be fixed, but at least while you're fixing things, if you could be 4-2 and two along the way while you're still figuring it out, that's, that's a pretty good place to be. And that's why I think the Panthers are in a good position because I think there still is a lot of upside for this team to continue to, to get better and improve. We're sitting, this team's sitting at four and two, and they haven't maybe played their best football yet. And when you look at Ron Rivera's numbers, numbers, I just said numbers. <laughs> I got a number. How about them apples? Uh, <laughs> but when you look at his numbers, that was wicked. That was wicked. Awesome. Uh, the Panthers under Ron Rivera have played better in the last eight games of the year than they have in the first eight games of the year, and it's a ridiculous number. I mean, they're almost, I mean, they're about, I think they're above five hundred. I actually have a. Uh, chart that I don't actually have with me, which I think I might, I'm lying. I think I do have it with me. I always keep track of this stuff, but when you look at well, the Well, wait. Num- go ahead. Look yeah, for it. Well, yeah, I'll vamp. What do any of us have to do but so, wait for Mike yeah, exactly. Wait for Wait for me to, to get this number. Sorry, the last eight games of the year, uh, Panthers are, I think, 37 and I think 20, something like that, or yep. r- around there. Sounds right. Um, so this team's going to get better. I mean, if history is uh, going to repeat itself and it does when you and some people will say well oh yeah well every year could change well, but look at the look at the Panthers and look at the Patriots you know the Patriots in December under Bill Belichick I think Ron Rivera's teams in that same span I think are second or third in wins in December behind Bill Belichick and so I, I think there's a there is that opportunity for this for this team to continue to get better mm-hmm. and look Cam Newton is we, we saw I mean we've seen this year kind of Cam's career in a nutshell I mean a lot of promise a lot of fire, a lot of a lot of great things. Sometimes not so great, mm-hmm. but I, I think sometimes he gets judged, Jim, a little bit too unfairly. And I think some of that has to do with the fact because he he was number one draft pick and he, he is possessed so much talent that his his room for people to allow him to improve is so narrow because everyone thinks he's going to be great, so he should always be great. So sometimes when he's not great. He, I don't think he gets that benefit of the doubt that maybe some other players do because they don't have that same. You know, he's judged differently than I think almost any other quarterback in the NFL. And he's, but he's different. I mean, he's you can't really pigeonhole him 
and say he, he's comparable to, you know, like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or even a Debris. He's not, he's, and he's, they're not like him, and he's not like them. He's not a statistical passing guy, and people tend to just completely ignore the rushing component, which this year, granted, has not been as big as past years because he hasn't had to run. Like last year, you almost had to have Cam running with the football. But don't you think his running, even though uh, strategically, though, he's been running in, in good spots? Yeah. But I'm just saying it's not like the 800-yard rushing year. Right. It's not going to be a 700 right. rushing year probably for that matter. And so he does, and then he'll typically rush for how many touchdowns? Six to eight right. at least. And I so he's only um, got two, right? Two or three this year? Yeah. So yeah. it's like that. It's almost like they just look at the passing stats and don't take into account the rushing that he brings right. and how many plays he makes. So I think Cam's one of those players you have to appreciate for him for who he is right. as a player and not try to – Put a square peg in a, in, a, in a round hole. It's like picking LeBron apart because his free throw percentage isn't great. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just I like mean, the guy, I mean, well, to, to LeBron for a minute, I mean, he's, he could probably take you, me, David Langton, and Mick Mixon, and we'd probably have a chance at the We playoffs. would make the Eastern Conference yeah, finals. We make the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah. You can't make the Western Conference finals right. championship because right. of the well, We might need a shooter. You in could there, lose so them. Maybe, maybe we need to add a player. <laughs> <laughs> if we kept rotating shots, yeah. maybe we I mean, could make I mean, there's only so much one man zone I can do. The one-man press. Although it doesn't seem to be working nearly that well with the Lakers. So I guess we're yeah, better well, than Lonzo Ball maybe, and what he's got with maybe, the Lakers yeah. from that standpoint. But, yeah, I agree with you on Cam. And I think also, you know, Luke Keekley's taken for granted. Here's a guy who had 13 tackles and a quarterback sack last week. And I talked about basically two things with Marty Herney at practice today was Cam and Luke. I said sometimes we talk about this new guy got signed or yeah, some other fringe right. roster move. I go, let's talk about Cam and Luke. And he said – Luke got better and better as that game yeah. went on. And, yeah. and, and, you know, he drafted he drafted these guys. He drafted Cam. Mm-hmm. I mean, people forget back when Cam was drafted, that was a questionable decision because of the lack of college playing experience right. and how would he do as a pro. Yeah. Not that he wasn't a phenomenal college right. player, but was he worthy of being the number one right. overall pick? Luke Keekley at number nine, was that too high for essentially a middle linebacker? Right. I, I, mean, I remember the, the uproar about that. And I had uh, I was doing the show on the, on, uh, the other radio station back then. And because I had – uh, at, the, at that time, I was doing the Boston College uh, games for uh, IMG, well, ISP and then IMG, uh, doing the studio hosting in, in Winston-Salem. I, I think I saw probably 90% of Luke's college games. And I remember as a freshman uh, doing his games and talking with John Mita Perel, the BC play-by-play guy. And you knew that first year the guy was going to be special. And I remember then uh, people would ask me, well, who do you think the Panthers should take at number nine? And I'm not kidding. This is this is, this is is the honest God's truth. I said, I think they should take Luke Keekley. This guy's going to be amazing. I, honestly, I had the same pick. Yeah. I remember talking to Joe Person about it. He was going to do a mock draft. He goes, I'm going to take Luke Keekley in my mock draft for radio. I go, that's who I got too. Yeah. I go, how can you go wrong with a tackling machine? Right. I and mean, he led the NCAA in tackles, I think, his last two years, or three out of his, you know, yeah. two and, out of his and three I, years. And I'm old enough to remember when they used to say you build your defense strong up the middle. Right. So, like the Dave Gettleman, Hogmolly defensive right. tackle yeah. theory. Right. Middle linebacker safety. Right. And then that, that's, if you have that essential core, you can't go wrong. Right. Well, and then you throw in, you know, Thomas, working with Thomas Davis. Yeah. And I think the great thing about Luke is, is we'll talk about his accolades to the, until the cows come home. But when you look at the kind of guy that he is, you know, I've had a chance to get to know him a little bit, and and I know you, you've had a chance to talk to him. And to see the videos, like when Thomas Davis was out, and then to see that relationship that they have, I mean, the very special bond that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really – he's one of those – Luke's one of those players that I think even – 
opposing players would wish that they had had him on their team and and are are always very complimentary about his his skill set. Luke's amazing in that we'll be standing around on a road trip in a hotel lobby, just the broadcasters and our production guys or whatever. He'll stop and walk over and ask us where we're going. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, (laughs) who does that? I mean, these players are all just like on their phones typically walking out the door. He will stop and engage in conversation. What's going on? Where are you guys going? Hey, you want to come with us? No. (laughs) The guy you (laughs) see on a CPI security commercial is is genuine. He's what you see is what you get I've seen... to his fault, too many of like people taking pictures with him in restaurants and yeah. grocery stores. I mean, he's very accommodating. Uh, he's just such a nice guy. Oh, I've told you this story. I think uh, if I haven't, um, if I, now tell it I, to the audience. Well, if I have, if you've heard this, Jim, tell me, and I'll still tell it. Um, so <laughs> tell it better than you told it last time, though. Whatever I will, it is, I will. So Luke's rookie year, uh, John Mitaprell was in town for. Um, he was in town for, I think, the ACC Media Day. So it was right like the week or two before Luke's first training camp. And, uh, you know, they had become kind of friendly. So we went to dinner with Luke. And we were at um, – uh, we went to uh, the Burger – the burger well, the, what's the burger place on East Boulevard? Mac that Max? Or no, uh, Bad Daddy's. Bad Daddy's, Bad yeah. Daddy's. So we had this great conversation. And I would met Luke a couple times. He really didn't know me. But – so then fast forward a couple – so now six weeks into the season – seven weeks into the season and the ACC basketball was here. And so we, we met up with Luke again and we went, we met him at, uh, at cowfish and my wife was supposed to, um, watch John that night, but something had come up where I think she had a prior engagement going out with some friends to like the theater or something like that. And we just had our signals crossed and she's like, no, you have to, you got to watch John tonight because, uh, my son, because you know, I got plans already. So I said to me to Pearl, I said, Hey, do you think Luke would mind if I brought my son with us? And he's like, nah, he won't care. So uh, we were at Cowfish, and uh, John is having this great conversation with Luke Keekley. The only thing that was unfortunate was at the time John was probably like five or six. He still remembers it, but I don't think it would be as special as if like if we had done it again yeah, like today because it just it, well. When you see Luke the next time, just reschedule it. Well, I do. I do need to There's remind him. Excellent chance he would just go ahead and say, "Yeah." But he always asks me about John. He's like, "Hey, how's John? How's your son nice. doing?" Which is, but the, the funny part of the story is to what your point was earlier, and I've gone around the block four times to get to this. Uh, we're in the middle of dinner, and a uh, couple of teenage, probably like either middle school or you know ninth or tenth grade uh, girls come up to us. And they, this was when Luke, like he was starting to get popular here, and they asked for his autograph. He said, "He's like," and literally we were in the middle of dinner. He's like his entree. Was, he was like halfway eating it, and he's like, "Hey, listen, uh, let me finish this, and I'll I'll take the picture later." And I remember back in the back of my mind thinking, I mean, I've, I've seen this picture a thousand times, right? Well, sure enough, we finished dinner. Luke gets up. He's like, hey, right back. We, we thought he was going to the restroom or something like that. And turn around, he found where the girls were sitting, and he like took pictures with them. He signed their stuff, and then he came back. Nice. I mean, that, that's that's pretty that's special. Very nice. That's yeah. very nice. And just a, a little side note to anybody: if you see if you see any celebrity, doesn't have to be a Panther, and they're eating a meal, I know, leave them, leave alone. them alone. Yeah, I'm with you on if that. If you can't wait till they're done, then just right. don't get it. It's just right. don't walk up to anybody while they're in the middle of the meal having a conversation. I've never understood the expectation of people in the public eye being asked stuff in their downtime. Now, it's one thing if you're coming in and out of the ballpark or if you're at a, a team event. Uh, but, it, you know, if, if you see a, a family at the mall or at the movie theater, I just, you know, let them be. You know, and, and I know part of the job is to be accessible, but uh, I don't know. I, I've, always, I've always felt that, too, that, yeah. that, that 
players time the personal time is at personal be time. a human being and just yeah. you don't don't be that guy all right let's close with this because actually I, I, we usually pull out of the hat a random yeah. question of the week that leads me into our random question of the week and mike's got the fishbowl but we're not going to use that today mike oh, no fishbowl. Okay. Uh, because you led me into this think in your mind i'll go first about a celebrity it could be whatever level of celebrity that you saw out of context somewhere and it kind of made that in itself uh the the interesting or fun part of it. Mine is going to be John Fox. Yeah. And so he lived in the Ballantyne area. We lived in the Ballantyne area, but you'd see him occasionally at a mm-hmm. gas station or somewhere. But it's it's truly it's the Friday after the Super Bowl that we lost the 2003 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38. But and this is how old that story is. Blockbuster Video in Ballantyne. Oh yeah. And so I walk in with my kids to get a video or two, and um, I see the longest line I've ever seen at Blockbuster. It's all the way to the back of the store. So I walk in, start making my way through the line to cut through to get over to the movies are, and I hear that familiar voice, Jimmy, Jimmy. And I look back. At the very end of the line is John Fox, and he's holding like eight videos in his hands. <laughs> and it, and this is like we the Super yeah. Bowl. We get back. It's, um, it's Monday late or whatever, and this is Friday. And I go over and go, don't you have somebody that could do this for you? Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're sitting around the house, and I just wanted to get some videos. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this line, and nobody was talking to him or right, bothering him. Right. Like four days after playing in the Super right. Bowl, he's in this line of like 20 people standing right. there holding block, like a, a stack of blockbuster videos. And I, I can't remember what it was. He recommended a, a movie for me to get for the kids. So it was just hilarious. And not like, you know, obviously it's someone I know, but in terms of just like a funny chance meeting of a celebrity in an out-of-the-norm kind of setting there, it just cracked me up. And part of the crack-up is that anyone who remembers that voice, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Because that John Fox voice is just so distinct. All right. I don't know if this uh, is quite to the level of, of yours uh, because I didn't know this uh, celebrity. But uh, when I was living in New York, um, this is 20-something years ago, uh, one of my friends that I'd become friends with through my Red Sox connections was Jeffrey Lyons. Jeffrey, movie critic, and was at the time was uh, the NBC, I think NBC News and NBC4 in, in New York, the film critic. So... Uh, Duke Castiglione, Joe Castiglione's son, the Red Sox announcer, was staying with me. And so Jeffrey would call us up at, at like random times and be like, uh, hey, uh, you guys home? Yeah, we're home. I was like, uh, I, got a, I got a movie screening in two hours. Meet me on like 57th and 3rd. How cool is that? Oh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so one time, I think we were at the Sony screening room, and uh, we were walking out. And I'll never forget this. Uh, Duke and I, like, you know, in New York, it's like a, it's like a sport to hail a cab. Yeah. Right? So we're, we're hailing a cab, and cab pulls up and uh somebody gets out and so it's kind of customary that when you know you let them out and then you kind of let them get out of the way and then you, you go in i swear to god jim and duke will back me up on this carol channing like the old time act she literally like came from nowhere got in as these people were leaving shut the door and the cab took off <laughs> so she stole our cab carol channing yeah. stole your cab yeah did she say hello dolly or anything no she didn't out? she didn't say anything like that jim because <laughs> <laughs> she, she had that like real raspy voice <laughs> the other the other funny one the same same type of thing uh duke and i were told to meet jeffrey it was like a sunday night at like eight o'clock it was on the east side and he said, uh, you're going to go see this movie, and, well, I'll meet you there. Okay, so we get there, and the publicist was like, yeah, Jeffrey called. He said he, he's not going to be able to meet meet, uh, meet with you guys, but he said for you guys to still come in. It's the it's the New York premiere for this movie. And we didn't know what we were seeing. Sometimes, half the time, we didn't know what we were seeing. So uh, so we start looking around. There's, like, this paraphernalia. The movie was to Jillian on her 37th birthday. It was Michelle Pfeiffer and, okay, and yeah. Peter Gallagher. Yeah. So uh, we get into the screening room, and all of a sudden, this, this really tall, distinguished, you know, good-looking guy – 
was like, hey, can I take you to your seats? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, why not? And I remember he kind of led us down this. And I turned around to Duke. And I said, hey, this guy looks familiar. Like, why do I know this guy? So then, like, the opening credits come up and whatever. And then from the first scene, it's like Peter Gallagher. And I look at Duke <laughs> and go, hey, Peter Gallagher just led us to our seats. How cool is that? <laughs> So that, that was, those are kind of two of my uh, brushes with fame. Yeah, I've had a number. I like I like the B-level celebrities. Like I can't remember which character it was, but it was like the curmudgeonly like police lieutenant from the old Eddie Murphy yeah. uh, police movies yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, what was the movies he used to do when Eddie Murphy was doing the – Oh, Beverly Hills Cop? Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Taggart or whatever right, guy. Right, it was that right. guy. Or I'd see Mike Ditka just like – I'd turn around like Mike Ditka's over my shoulder at a yeah. restaurant looking for other people and stuff like this. So. Now, this doesn't really count because it was work, but uh, one of my favorite all-time highlights for, for what I've done with the Knights – to this day is when we had the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Yes, I love the B level celebrities. And like we that. did, and we did. Uh, I did the, the skit where uh, George asks for bread, and you're like, "You want bread? Uh, yeah, yeah. If I can, no soup for you." <laughs> Who gets to have that? Yeah, you and, get and that's, that. on, that's on my. Yeah, that's on my. Uh, that'll be always forever be on my reel. Nobody gets to get the soup Nazi, even George. Especially not George. <laughs> All right, so we do have a regular 1 o'clock kickoff yes. coming up on Sunday on WBT with the Ravens in town. I'll have the pregame at 10, and then Mike and Brett with the postgame yes. show yep. afterwards. Uh, so it'll be full broadcast, Eugene and Mick and myself with the call, and uh, Kevin Donnelly, of course, uh, on the sidelines. So looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully when we do this next week, we'll be 5-2. and two. That'll have a nice ring to it, won't it? If not, we'll say four and three is not bad. Four and three is we'll not make bad. It, we'll make it sound better than it is. Wasn't that a meatloaf song? But hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yes. Four and three, four and three is, is not bad. bad. There you go. Pillars do. <laughs> so until uh, then, we'll talk to you all next week. Let's get out of here. <laughs>new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Missick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.